Hi, my name is David Speed. And I'm Adam Brazier. And this is the Creative Rebels podcast. Featuring inspirational stories and practical advice from some of the most prolific and successful creators in the world. Adam and I have co-founded multiple creative businesses and turned our varied passions into our careers. There's never been a better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people will tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to show you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Hello. Uh, how are you, Adam? I'm good. Yeah. I'm getting over my cold, which is doing really, doing good. Yeah, you sound a bit better. Yeah. Um, I'm just back from painting in Holland on massive barges. But now you're back to painting in London on massive walls. Yeah, but then I've got to go, when this comes out, I'll be on my way to holland again to do more boats (laughs) so yeah so there's a lot going on so the little town that we were staying in is just outside of rotterdam and i found out what rotterdam's um motto is oh fuck i know this do you i've been there tell me strength through struggle oh no i didn't know that it's amazing strength through struggle and i just love that i fell in love with that straight away so rotterdam you have my heart you're much more beautiful than amsterdam um no, no offense to Amsterdam because you're great as well. But um, but like, yeah, just Rotterdam's just great. And so we were staying in this sort of tiny little village about 40 minutes outside of Rotterdam, yeah. really beautiful, like very green. And and yeah, and then working on the waterways, like hanging off a big scaffold um, that was like coming off the edge of the boat. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. super cool, really, really, really fun. Um, so yeah, but I just love that strength through struggle because I think that's, that is so true like that's where all of your strength comes from so whatever you're going through right now if it is a struggle that's where you're getting your strength that's why you can become an amazing person is because you're experiencing these things and that's what's going to shape you yeah you really need that strength during the struggle as well don't you i think it's like it's that that's going to get you through it it's that realizing that yes it might feel awful at the moment but by pushing through this you're going to come out the other side a stronger person yeah, I, that's the hardest thing, I suppose, is always keeping that in the in the back of your head. So, so I suppose that's why we're here. That's your little reminder. Keep it in the back of your head. Like you're strong as fuck. You can do this. You've got this. Like it's just it's all mind over matter. Like whatever struggles you are going through, just keep it in the back of your head that that's making you stronger every single day. So, yeah. be more Rotterdam. Be more Rotterdam. So I've had a lot of time to reflect while I've been hanging off the side of a oh, boat. Oh, good god! I've been thinking about a lot. And I was thinking about um, when I used to work in a school and I've always said like, I can help more people with this podcast than when I was working in a school. And that got me thinking about Marie Forleo. And recently when we did the our year in review episode, yeah. we talked about the everything is figure outable. And I kind of thought about, I, I just didn't figure out the problem mm-hmm. of like helping as many people as possible, like fully helping as many kids as I could and because I thought I can only help the 30 kids that I'm in the class of but I suppose like when you're younger you don't really realize what the possibilities the world has for you and like back when you were doing primary school teaching like it was early 20s yeah like social media the internet wasn't the mass it is today so yes, you're limited to <laughs> you're limited to a much smaller smaller area whereas with the internet today you can help people all around the world like instantly Yes, but so it got me thinking about Marie's rules, which are all problems or dreams are figureoutable. Number two, if a problem isn't figureoutable, it's not a problem, it's a fact of life. Mm-hmm. And number three, you may not care enough to solve the problem and that's okay. And I think 
but it's partly what you're saying of like i wasn't aware that i could um but also it's like i didn't care enough in that situation i felt too handcuffed and like and i needed something else yeah yeah i suppose it must have been really frustrating to be in a position where you felt like you couldn't do anything yeah yeah i knew i was doing something but it just didn't feel like enough to me but my whole framework has been completely shifted by this week's guest it's been completely flipped on its head because this wonderful woman is changing the world yeah. and is and is literally whilst being a teacher in a school to 30 or probably 40 kids now she is also speaking all around the world setting up her own organization she's doing it she's doing the thing that i didn't realize was possible yeah i think with anything like that it's like unless you've got someone to look up to it's really hard to see the future unless you can visualize something that doesn't exist yet it's like when we started graffiti life it's like that future didn't exist yet we had to just keep going and just hope and keep working to push it and make it become something she's kind of gone and pioneered what a teacher can be and i think that's so inspiring for so many people to be able to look at someone who's already done that and then they can like try and map the paths that they've done to try and replicate it well she actually says in the episode when teaching kids if they can't see it then they can't become it yeah and that's that's exactly it's the same it's not just for kids that's for us as well i think that's why we have such a mix of different people who come on this show and that's why we try and give you guys like such an array of people from so many different backgrounds from really different industries to just show you that like if you're starting something here's someone who's done that before like no matter what it is we're going to try and give you as big a mix as possible always keep that in the back of your head like if you can envision it you can become it at least you can work towards becoming it. And even if you never get there, like that journey is going to be like really, really fun to do that. It's really important for everyone to actually think like, what what could I become? Mm. Because if you, if you think about it, like probably more than you've expected or whatever limitations you've set for yourself, like could you become more than those limitations? And I think for most people, they probably could but they have to imagine it first before they can get to that stage. Yeah, and I think imagining things, it's hard to imagine but past what you can see. So I think what would be an interesting thing to do is imagine what you could do in like what would be kind of a, your absolute dream. And then think of like what would be a little bit crazy to just push it past that. Like that person there, what could they do to increase on that? And then that person to increase on that. If you're struggling to just have one vision, picture yourself in two years time or someone who's further ahead in your journey and picture, well, what would their future look like? Because sometimes it's hard to picture it for yourself, but you can picture it for other people. Yeah, I think people are going to find this episode really useful, even if they weren't lucky enough to have an amazing teacher like Andrea when they were younger, sort of building those foundations. I think the things that we talk about in this episode are so applicable for for adult life of taking the, these ideas and moving them forward, like in whatever you're doing now, what no matter what age you are. So uh yeah love this episode with the best teacher in the world andrea zafaraku andrea zafaraku is an art and textiles teacher from north london she's a global teachers prize winner and took the one million dollars that she won from that prize to set up artists in residence which is an artist residency program that gives young people the opportunity to work with different artists and creatives and see the kind of myriad career opportunities that are available in the creative industries Andrea is clearly passionate about creativity and how important it is for all children, no matter what their background, to have the opportunity to express their creativity as they grow. In this episode, we talk about being the best teacher in the world, kindness, and the importance of the arts. 
and this is why I'm just so passionate about celebrating the importance of us. It's the one thing that can heal you, it's the one thing that could really kind of motivate you, gives you energy, gives you inspiration to see what's out there. Hi Andrea. Hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you Thanks very much. Thanks for doing much. our podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Uh, I'm smiling too. <laughs> <laughs> I've never spoken to the best teacher in the world before. Well, yeah. Um, well, it's, uh, I still feel so strange listening to that title, but um, I'm one of many, many, many incredible teachers. So yeah. Yeah. So do, I mean, when it came to the award, did you feel that being an art teacher, did you think I've probably not got a chance? It's no probably going to go to a science or a maths or yeah, whatever. Absolutely, absolutely. And I was looking at the other 10 finalists next to me and I was like, oh my God, he's so amazing. He's done that. And oh my God, they're so amazing. Oh my God. You know, so, and there's little old me, art teacher in an inner city London school, you know, come on, it's who's going to vote, you know, who, and so I just thought it's not going to happen. And um, I, almost had a heart attack almost fainted <laughs> when I found out it was me but yeah so. well congratulations thank um, you very much and, and well deserved um I think you've uh yeah you're, thank it's, you it's well deserved um is art an important subject oh absolutely it is the subject why because it's a subject which um I'm seeing now has got is needed for our for, for our students more now than ever they need it because it helps them to connect with other human beings. They need it because it teaches them mastery skills to focus on something. It, they need it because it helps them to fail, helps them to um, improve and in a really great, safe environment. Um, they need it because it's about them. Um, it showcases themselves. Um, they Whatever they make, it's not the same as any other human being. It's unique. It's individual. Um, it's a celebration of who they are. Um, and they need it just to heal, man, you know, just to kind of uh, recover from the amount of pressures they have from having to learn, having to regurgitate, having to kind of study and, and just breathe books. And what's what's the best thing to do is just to be in your little creative zone. Yeah, that's so true. I think um, the failure, the failure part is really important because if you fail in maths, that's you've got there's one answer. And if you get the wrong answer, then that is a failure. Whereas a failure in art is not a failure, it's an experimentation, isn't it? But the interesting thing about maths is that you can be quite creative getting to the answer. So there is creativity in, in, in maths quite a lot, but yeah, you're right. The end result is always a positive or a negative. And where are the arts, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's the journey, I think, which people appreciate more to get to the end point. So yeah, no, that's a good point. I think what, I was what I really liked you saying there is the fact that it makes people focus. It's something I've not really thought about before. And like for me, like I've always done art and that's always been like a nice way to go and spend like six hours quietly doing something that you're working towards something. Whereas I suppose in today's society, no one spends six hours on anything mm -hmm. unless they're just massively addicted to a computer game that they're just like completely involved in. There's nothing really to show at the end of that. Whereas with art, yeah, it's a really nice way to sit down and just have a bit of a clear mind, I think. A bit of like stoicism. Yeah. Just like be with yourself a bit. I suppose the thing about that that, um, that I've been frustrated with recently is that a lot of us are making art that we're then posting on Instagram and that six-hour session that we've had is then like relegated to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and a people, little tick box, yeah. And then it's yeah. seen on someone's feed for like 
three seconds and then it's gone. Yeah, and the exercise is the only thing you take away from it then isn't the six hours of joy and kind of peacefulness you've had leading up to it. Yeah. It's the, it didn't get enough likes. Yeah, so you could feel miserable after doing six hours work, which is a real shame. Well, then I think it's it's about the individual, you know. it's um, For example, a friend of mine, uh, she, she makes cakes, her hobby, and the, what she creates is incredible. The artistic content and the 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 time she's spent to create something and she's exhausted by the end of it because it's a cake it's got a time limitation she's got to make it you know so there's there's a little pressure in there but um when she shows it to me I'm just I'm taking it back I'm just like my god this this is an incredible piece of work she's exhausted but you can just feel her sense of satisfaction I made that someone's gonna enjoy that I'm I made it for and they and they're gonna appreciate it and you know I've connect I've been part of that person's birthday celebration or their wedding whatever but and I think that's what art is about is that feeling you get after creating something and and sharing with someone and just listening to their feedback and and yeah that that sharing with other people in like the real sense not just sharing online is so nice it's yeah. like thinking of like weddings for example like I shot one of my girlfriend's best friend's weddings and I just did it when I was there during the day like took my camera with me um had my drone in my bag and just kind of did a little fly around the church beforehand and it was just a fun thing for me to do that day anyway because I like being creative and it was like well this is an extra thing to make this day more interesting and then also at the end of it you had a product that you can give to someone that's that they love and they're going to cherish that forever mm-hmm. it's literally like their wedding day. Yeah, no, I, um, <laughs> I'm going to laugh now because I hired a photographer for my wedding and this is two years ago and I've still not contacted him to give me the work because of all the other kind of, um, you know, WhatsApp pictures that my friends took that yeah. were just so beautiful and I was just like, okay, that's my wedding album but I will come back to you when my <laughs> life has calmed down just a little bit. <laughs> so, madness, eh? Hey? <laughs> you mentioned all of those... Um, you mentioned all of those things about how art is such a valuable subject. Why then is it that it's the first to suffer from like funding cuts? You and- tell me. <laughs> I'm bashing my table, it's people. So, it's so you, frustrating. I, 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 th- I just don't get it, especially in this country. There's other countries who get it, but in this country, I don't, I don't understand. Um, is it because? There's no right or wrong answer. Is it because it's very hard to measure? Is it because it's about judgment? Um, is it because it is um, it's very difficult to <clears throat> to assess? Because it is very difficult to assess um, quality art. Um, I, I this is I, I don't understand. But all I know is that children who have undertaken the arts and it could be drama it could be music it could be um media um obviously visual arts textiles they have got a very strong sense of self and by having a strong sense of self as a young person you're able to to confidently communicate um you're able to appreciate others and they just feel like students who you're like right i'd like to employ you because you get it you will be able to work and connect with other people and i think that's what we're very good at but i just i i really don't understand in primary schools for early years we we they the the teachers and the practitioners there are more or less assess a young person by how they're able to use materials to build to be creative, the idea of play social skills. However, when we get to um, secondary school, it's almost pushed out. And the thing which really hurts is when you hear teachers who are checking in on me and just saying, Andrea, am I doing this right? 
you know, especially primary school teachers, look, look, we, we don't have, a, um, can you help me design the curriculum because I don't know if I'm doing this the right thing. And you're like, oh my God, what's going on? Um, when you have got head teachers, oh yes, your work is brilliant, Andrea, but yeah, unfortunately we've had to cut drama, we've had to cut up because not many people are taking it. And I, well, what, why? What's going on? And when the creative industries are one of the strongest industries in this country, there's no connection. I don't get it. Um, and this is why I'm just so passionate about celebrating the importance of arts for every young person, but not just from the moment they can stand up and walk and they've got their crowns out and they're kind of, you know, decorated the parents' walls, but throughout their life, because it's the one thing that can heal you, it's the one thing that could really kind of motivate you, gives you energy, gives you inspiration to see what's out there. To me, it almost seems like, because, yeah, because you can't measure it, that it's not worth it yeah. yeah and it's like people there's so much especially around schools I kind of found that with school like everything just seems to be measured and that's because that's what they get their funding based on like their school their scores and their results so like with maths and physics and stuff it's like yes 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 that's obvious but that seems to be more of like a a memory game it almost treats people well who've got a really good memory if you can memorize stuff then you're going to be really really good at school whereas it's it kind of I feel like the creativity side of it leads to like the problem solving and has that real kind of creative thought process like for me at school I was always good at art but then maths and physics and I felt like I I don't have a great memory so I was, wasn't great at like history and geography and the things that you and like languages because you required a good memory to memorize how to do those things but maths and physics I was really good at because I was creative and I had the ability to work out how to solve it rather than just memorizing, well, what did we go through in our textbook? You go from this step to this step to this step. It was more like I enjoyed maths and physics because I felt I found them creative because I allowed myself to, oh, well, I wonder if I try that and try this. Yes, and, absolutely. Oh, and then you actually get to a result yeah, because yeah. I mean, there'd be times in A-level where we were sat in like our common room doing some like maths homework or something and no one could remember what we got taught in class of how to get to this answer. And we were just like, everyone was just like trying to remember the process that we took. But I took a more of a creative approach to it and worked it out by trying lots of different things, literally try and improvement, try and improvement until you found the answer. And when you found it, it was so much more rewarding than just having a little recall of memory that pops into your head. It, it's really fascinating. And what I've, what you hear now is obviously, um, you know, working, I've had the opportunity throughout this year to meet some really inspiring people, and many of them are the CEOs of the biggest companies in the world. And when I say to them, what, what kind of skills, what, what do you need? Who do you employ? And they're like, we, we want creative, we want problem solvers, we want people who are able to think outside the box. Yeah. We don't need mathematicians, but we, you know, that's, that's now done on a computer. We need the people who are, going to, who are going to be able to connect with our customers, get us more customers, and solve the problems. And those are the creatives. Yeah. I think, yeah. sorry, I think the government is almost thinking, we want the next Facebook and the next Google to bring in loads of like tech money into our economy, but they're not realizing that it's not the, like coders aren't maths and physics and science people, they're creative people. It's the creativity that comes from coding, which is where the great things come from, because machines can do the rest of it. And as we go forward, that's gonna do more and more of that. But it's that creative ability that humans can add to it that is what's going to create the next Facebook or the next Google. And yes, that's, yeah, people need to be fucking creative. So if we have a look at the education system and how it's changed over the hundreds of years since the Industrial Revolution, it hasn't. Mm -hmm. 
you know, a Victorian class, how it was, people sitting behind the rows, teachers being the... That's how it is. That's, it's still the same way. Um, subjects being categorised as in English, math, science, geography, RE, human... Yeah, that's still how it is in this country. There are other approaches as better approaches, and I think um, what concerns me is that we are not skilling up our kids, that um, the curriculums that we're offering are not fit for purpose for what they need in the future. And um, what can we do? Just make sure that we build up their creativity habits. So what makes, what, how the hell can you become creative? What are the habits for creativity? Collaboration, problem solving, you know, strengthening them so that when they can fall into a career, and mind you, they'll probably have five different careers over their lifetimes, but when they can, they can adapt and they can feel comfortable and then they can think, yeah, I can, I can do that. Um, I think that, that's what we need to strive for as a country. It's going to take ages, though. I think as well as the things you said there, I think curiosity is yeah. so, so important. Absolutely. And that's what the creative subjects yeah. bring. It's yeah. that curiosity of like moving into something you don't understand, but having that something inside you, it's like, oh, I want to learn this. I want to find out how to do it. Whereas if you're, if you don't do creative things, you don't have that thought process because you're just following things by the book. You're just going exactly like in an order of exactly what people have done before. I suppose as well, there's a pressure of, I don't think young people, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think young people are aware of the careers that are available to them. No. And certainly I suppose yeah. there'll be a lot of family pressure of, there's six careers in the world. There's, doctor, there's teacher, lawyer. doctor, <laughs> lawyer, and they're not shown that there's actually a million different things that they could do. So they think, well, I do really enjoy art, but let me take these subjects because I know then I can be at one of the six different careers that there are in the world, not realising that there's thousands. Welcome to my world. That is my world. Um, my world is, um, and this is where it really hurts actually, when you see a young person who you're thinking, my God, you're gifted. You know, you have got it. You're better than me at art and you're not even, you know, you're, you're 12 and you're yeah. better than me and I'm an art yeah. teacher, you know. Um, you know, you've got it. And then you, you, you watch them for seven years growing and growing and developing, developing. Um, and then when it comes to them choosing their GCSEs, they turn around and they miss, I can't choose art. And I'm like, why miss? Because I had a conversation with my parents and then I, they just said like, no, it's not, a, it, it won't give me any, any money, it won't give me any jobs and, and, and what's the careers? And so... My battle then is, you know, reeling out a list. These are the careers you can have and many more that have not come up. And it's about the skills, but it's it's changing the mindset of the community out there. It's changing the mindset of parents. It's changing the mindset of employers to say, we want creatives. We want to have creativity as a key focus on every single school curriculum. Um, and if you don't, we can't employ. And I think that's the kind of, that's the threat of language we need to be making sure our government here because it is we're at crucial stages now you know um, our kids won't be employable and my fear is that many of them are thinking Miss, you know I'm going to be graduating university with a 40,000 pounds debt minimum I need to earn money to pay off my debt what job will pay me that and so the, our kids are thinking about this and they've got these pressures and they know that, OK, if I study medicine, I won't be happy, but I'll be able to kind of make, you know, after seven years of training, I'll be able to make something. Um, but 
because the way that our technology is is very strong and is taking over quite a lot of how systems are working in, in industry, um, there are jobs out there that have not been created yet, mm -hmm. um, which we can't tell the students. Um, and I think that's the, that's the sad part, which is why um, it is vital that we try and bridge this gap between the world of work and education. There's no, at the moment, from what I see, there's not a very good thread there. And um, it's broken and it's not strong and the quality is not great in terms of career provision and things. So, so much can be done there. And I've just come back from another country um, a couple of days ago and I was at a conference whereby that was the absolute focus there for the government. They were like, no, we, you know, they had... Um, they had the government in the room with the CEOs of absolutely every single huge organisation in that country saying, right, this is what we need. You need to commit. Um, how are we going to do that? And that was, I felt like, Brilliant. oh, my God, <laughs> this yeah. is where I want to work. Um, yeah, that and, that and that makes you feel great. Like, yes, they get it. You know, they're thinking about the future of their world. They're thinking about in 10 years time, 20 years time, what the employment um, and, and what the, the culture of the world is going to be like in their culture, in their country. Um, are we doing that? I don't know. I don't know. Does it feel like it? I don't think it feels like No, not yet. Not yet. And I'm positive. Not yet. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like what would be a really good thing to do is almost like in the first ever art class to have like a list on the board of these are all the careers you can do. These are how much money they earn every year. Because as a young kid, you don't care about happiness because you're pretty happy anyway. You just care about, oh, I want to make loads of money. Uh, and then have all of those things. And you're like, oh, actually, that'd be really good. Yeah. And because also like for me, like role model, like creative role models are really, really important. So I watch like loads of YouTube on social media all the time. And lots of people I follow, are, I should probably all the people I follow are creatives. And they're all doing something that I'm like, I want to be where they are. And I think as a young person, the people I know who are young, who are really creative and just doing things themselves, all have these same creative role models. And because they like, they're like, when I grow up, I want to do what they're doing because that looks really cool and really fun. Um, but I feel like at school, that was never really, I never really got, oh, oh you should go and follow this person because they're interesting in creativity. No, you, you've hit the nail on the head. I think the missing link here, which, which um, is what I'm trying to do in, within the arts myself and in my organisation, is to bring the actual role model, the career, into the classroom. Mm -hmm. Unless a child sees it, they can't dream it. They yeah. can't be it. And I think that's what we're missing. As a teacher, I can say, this is what you can do. Here's the list, and that's the jobs. I can do that. They won't buy into it unless they have that powerful conversation, that 30 seconds conversation face-to-face -face with the actual person to say... You know, tell me, tell me what I need to do. Tell me your life. Tell me your problems. Tell me how it, tell me where it was really great and what I, you know, and where you struggled and what's your pathway and how much you, and who are your customers and how do you work? What did you go to office? You were, this is the kind of questions which I can't teach, mm. but they need to be able to know. And the only way to do that is by bringing the world of work into the classrooms, into the schools. Uh, and, yeah, and creating the opportunity to do that is difficult because schools are like, you know, the, the, the systems, the timetables um, to, to adapt the system in a school is very, very hard. Um, we're like, you know, we're machines, <laughs> as mm. it were. Um, and they, they have to be like that. Uh, but yeah, it, that, that's the biggest need that we need to do. Because I think for me, like because the school system is so like, it's, it's going to be really hard to change it for, for, like, for, as, for me as an individual person. 
Whereas, so I think it's really important that anyone listening who's a parent make sure that their kids are doing things outside of school that are filling those gaps if school isn't providing yeah, them. Yeah, that's great if you've got a parent who's got money. Ah. But what about parents, like in my school, who don't have the money? Um, parents who are working in the evenings, who parents who um, are never at home because for whatever reason, and kids are bringing up themselves. Um, parents who don't let their kids go out to clubs, social clubs, um, who haven't got the money for the violin, for the guitars, for the extracurricular activities. That's the problem. And why should those students, why should those children not have those opportunities? Mm -hmm. It's wrong. And why? And another thing which really bugs me is that why are they after school classes? Why are they? Why yeah. are they not during the school? Why are we not valuing them being in the school curriculum? Um, because the, you know, PE and and sports, the you know, the skills you learn that the leadership skills, collaboration, strength. Um, I mean, that's those are vital skills that you need in the workplace. And yet, again, it's more or less like no, they're not valuable. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a huge topic, a huge topic, but. Yeah. You, you mentioned there the role models that you bring into the school um, and you obviously work in a really diverse school. Mm. Um, is it important to bring in role models that um, can appeal to um, yeah, absolutely. the students that are there so they can see uh, there's someone who looks like me? Do you see them kind of unlock? Sure, absolutely. But not just the role models from the work club, your teachers as well. You have to have teachers standing in front of the students who look like them so we've so we're, we're lucky in our school that we've got the incredible incredible diverse staff we've got um um teachers who are female with hijabs who are teaching physics that is incredible because that's going to be inspiring the young girls to take physics and take science and that's what we want to do so yes you're right and it's great having it's great having role models and colleagues who come into the schools and um, we've, you know, we're really blessed that we had Lewis Hamilton come in last week. Amazing. Yeah, he's a, he's a friend, he's a friend of our school um, and, you know, he's had a really bad, he had a horrible experience at school in terms of his school, that he, you know, he didn't thrive there um, and he's able to say to the students, you know, these are the challenges I had but I was still resilient I was still able to carry on and I sat there and I took all the punishment and yet look where I am now and mm. those sto stories of motivation how can you not be inspired by that how can you not buy into him um, and the more people we have who've got those positive real stories of hardship but look at me now that's what's going to get our kids inspired and be better people yeah I think that's really important that's another thing I feel like school is missing a bit is just mindset teaching because you learn a lot of facts and how to do things, but you don't really get the kind of education around how you should think and what better better ways can you do things that way? What time do we have? <laughs> what time do we have to... I mean, well, I'm not saying yeah. there's a problem with what there is. I'm just talking about the, how important yeah, things absolutely, are. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And God, if I had it, I mean, I think every every head teacher would be like, like if I could really do it how I want, this is how I'd, I'd yeah. structure the school. We'd have like yoga every morning and we'll have like a break and then we'll have a, you know, a siesta because we know that. And then students will come in later because teenagers, um, they, their brains are switching at a later time. So, you know, there's so much research into what's, how to get the better performance from people. Um, but we can't afford to do that because we are so accountable to results. We're so accountable to um, um, the Ofsted and the and, and the um, external agencies that come and, and have a look at us. So, yeah, that's our challenge. Yeah, it's hard when you know what the problem is. 
yeah. and you want to solve it, but what you can do to solve it is not enough. From what I know about you, like in researching you and seeing your your kind of teaching style and just, I mean, even just in the, the past few minutes of just us being around you, I think you do you are teaching mindset just in the person that you are just because you're so positive and kind and they think that like kids learn by what they see and so just by just by doing that um like is because obviously kindness is something that's that's like at your core and i know that from just researching you for five minutes um and is that something that you're you're always trying to bring forward sort of be kind and be positive relationships Building relationships um, is, for me, the, the most important thing that you can do as a teacher to a young person, getting to know them, being open, um, appreciating them, and vice versa, having that two-way conversation. And kindness, um, not just for young people, but for adults as well. And as a school leader, being kind to your staff, being kind to parents, vice versa, parents being kind to teachers. Uh, it's it's a really huge part of who I am, my own culture, how I was raised. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I highly value. And so you, you use art as well as um, for, there's a lot of kids that come to your school that maybe English isn't their first language and you can use art to overcome those language barriers as well. It's it's the universal language, isn't it? Arts. It's it's the it's the one thing which by whereby you don't need to communicate, um, and this is the same with music as well. So a musical instrument, anyone across the world can play it, and the and the the way it's communicated, people can understand. Why it's so important for me is because I was raised as a as a non English speaking child. You know, my parents are from from Greece and Cyprus, so I was raised as a and we call it the code in the schools is called EAL, so English as additional language. Um, and what I find is that it's very dangerous that we can label children for not being intelligent just by them not being able to communicate. And what we get from the arts is the ability for children to show us themselves, their personality, how um, intelligent they are and how intelligently they can use materials and manipulate materials. And when you see a child who maybe not can speak English but can, oh my God, beep, 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 draw, that and that when they see your face thinking, this is incredible, your face lights up, you're a genius, oh my God, that sense of pride, that sense of I can, that sense of I can fit in with any other child, that I'm the same as all my peers, that's the most powerful feeling a young person can have. That's called confidence. Mm. And if you have confidence in a young person, you will then have the door open to engage into anything. And it doesn't matter if you can't understand English or write English, you will. You will, you'll get there. Mm. But it's that being able to be open and confidence is the key. And that's what the arts bring. They help our students become more confident in their skills. 100%. Um, I wonder what your opinion on on this is. Um, Do you think there's any such thing as natural talent or do you think hard work and practice? Both. Right, both Both. work. But I've I've seen natural talent. I've seen kids who've come in who cannot speak English at all, who have not been in a, in a, in a school at all, but you put a, um, a jar of water in front of them to draw, they can give you the shape, the tone, the gradient, and they can make something beautiful and incredibly refined. 
um, and you had not had to interfere with them, teach them, they've got it. And they're not met that, there's not that many students I've come across in my lifetime, probably about 100 or so, but the, the natural talent is there. And, what, and my pleasure is just to kind of sometimes create a little bit of chaos from them. So push them out of their comfort zone, yeah. get them to try new media, new sizes, new directions. So just to kind of push, 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 push for them to, to now start taking risks. Um, oh, God, when you've got those kids, you're like, this is why I teach. <laughs> <laughs> and the beauty about it is, is that, you know, some of those students for in other subjects, they'll be labelled as probably having special educational needs or be seen as having cognitive difficulties and, yeah. and learning difficulties. But then in your world, in the art world, that doesn't ex- you can't see that. That's not an issue. Um, and it's why many of those students just thrive in our subjects because they have it. What would you say to a kid who said, I can't draw, miss? I'll say, let me, let me, you know, come. <laughs> I'll show you. Um, and it's sad because you have, um, I do think that, oh, I'm going to probably shoot myself in the foot, but I do think that, you know, you've, as a teacher, you've got the biggest responsibility and the greatest thing that I can do for my students is show them how awesome my subject is, mm. how incredible my subject is and how, um, I know that by teaching, if, if you get, if you learn my subject, if you appreciate my subject, you will gain so many different um, skills and you will learn how to draw, you will learn how to appreciate art, you will learn how to access. And I think it's about how you teach it um, and finding the way that ignites that interest, that curiosity um, and opening that, that, that direction for them. And I've had colleagues who say to me, you know, adults, oh, you know, I can't draw. I'm like, well, you haven't had a good teacher. Mm-hmm. That's simple. You've come so far um, and it's all very well us looking at you now because you've won the award and you're getting all of this attention and stuff. But in the early days when you're working in an art room that has smashed out windows and it's freezing cold and you're having to teach wearing gloves and you've got no, and I I suppose you're putting your own money into going and buying art materials and all of this sort of stuff. Have you been stalking me? (laughs) Yes. Uh, looking yeah. through those broken windows yeah, for years that is, now. Yeah, that, that was, that's my world, yeah. I mean, how have you, I suppose it's resilience. I mean, how have you, how have you cultivated that? Is it just because you've always had this North Star of, of I'm here to help these kids and that's what's got you through? Like, how have you cultivated that within yourself to just keep going? I think that I found my purpose. My purpose is to help build the, bri- build the blocks of creativity of enjoyment for young people within the art room I don't know I I know what I'm good at and I'm good at inspiring young people within the arts to become a better people to appreciate the environment other people their peers um, education to feel a sense of worth Um, that's that's my purpose and luckily the job that gives me that is by being a teacher since winning the award have you thought at all about how you can scale that? So instead of just helping a few hundred kids a year, helping a million around the world? My life has changed since winning the award. And um, if you can imagine my... Right, so I live 20 minutes from where I work in by car. And for the last 13 years, my car would have the same mileage <laughs> <laughs> to and from work, you know. And, and you know, I'd know exactly how much petrol to put in. And, and that was my life. Um, but since winning the award, I feel like I've got this incredible platform. I feel that there's so much energy in the world of the, from the world of the arts. 
um, and through creativity to make sure that we do something to fix where we are now. So I've got this energy, I've got people backing me, um, there is a need, there is a problem and my God, I'm going to solve it and I'm going to help to support our kids to get them where they need to be and I'm a parent and my children are very different but I know that they need to have every single tool kit in their belt so that when they go to the world of work it, it's there for them ready it's down to them we've done everything we can and that's all we want for our children that's all we want for our for our country and it's it's that that's what drives me can we talk about your trip to Downing Street <laughs> Okay, yes. Oh, right. So, wow. How do you know about that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, um, okay, this takes me back to to last March. So um, I won the award on March the 18th, and that was in in Dubai, and I was in the Palm Atlantis, and I felt so uncomfortable because this was not my world. That was where we stayed, wasn't it, I think? No, I think that was near where we went. Water park. Sorry, yeah, 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 there is a a water park. I mean, it's just the most (laughs) extravagant place you've ever. I mean, there's gold leaking everywhere and like marble and like ridiculous. Yeah, you could smell the money in the air, (laughs) it's incredible. You can get an Uber uh, helicopter there as well. Really? I'm gonna try that next time. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, it was, yeah, it's just very, very out of you know, I, I don't think I could ever describe to you how it felt apart from like Nemo in the fishbowl being thrown into the Atlantic Sea. That's how it was for me over those last 20, those mm. 24 hours. So won the award, media interview. Oh my God, it was going crazy and everything. And then the next day I was flying to the UK. And by that time, I still haven't seen my husband since we're in the ward of my kids, but landed to Heathrow. So I landed in Heathrow. There was a lovely little welcoming committee. So my school organised all the kids to be there, the teachers to be there. It was just beautiful. It was, honestly, I was in tears. My husband yeah. was there. The kids were there. Um, my mum and dad. It was just beautiful um, to see everyone in my family. Did not stop. From there, went straight on to Downing Street. And then, no, first of all, goes to Parliament. Went to Parliament and I was invited into Prime Minister's Question Time. And I sat on the gallery and um, I was witnessing something which I see on TV. So I was witnessing Theresa May and um, Jeremy Corbyn arguing, as they always do. Yeah. And then you have um, Theresa May saying, and we've got some great news today. We've got the world's best teacher and she's from the UK and I'm going to see her in five minutes. And then you have Jeremy Corbyn said, well, I've actually met her. <laughs> <laughs> so they were having a bit of a standoff. That was brilliant. I was thinking, oh my God, how about me? Um, so anyway, from then I went to meet, I went straight to Downing Street and... Um, I think, you know, you you have that 10% braver moment in your life, the moment that changes you. That's when I had it. So I went to Downing Street and I was accompanied by the the Varky Foundation's founder, the son, um, the CEO, and there was two government officials there. There was um, the school's minister there as well, who, who was my host, taking me around Downing Street. And again, it's like, oh my God, this is like, this is happening to me. Sat in around this big table um and then Andrea we're very proud of you you know you've you know we're, we're just delighted that you have won the award and that you're the best teacher in the UK and we're very we, we, you know we want to really we want you to help us and I was like right okay and you know then I saw the kind of the 
the jacket open and I saw an envelope come out and in the envelope was a piece of paper and it was a, an advert for teacher recruitment. So we're wondering if you can help us recruit teachers because as you know, there's a, we've got a problem in the UK schools, we're not recruiting teachers, blah, 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 blah. What do you think? And then I kind of looked around the room to the CEO and you know the founder and they were, you know, they were just nodding like, mm, mm, and then my 10% braver Greekness came out and I was like, um, thank you so much, but no thank you. Silence. I can imagine. I could hear the intake of breaths and, you know, the chest going up and then... After a few minutes silence, the CEO turned around and said, Andrea, can you explain to us why? Why, why? why would you not want this opportunity? And then I just said it there. I just said, because I don't think that this government supports the arts and education. And I'm an art teacher and I've seen the power and yet we are really struggling to secure the arts on the curriculum. And then I let it rip. <laughs> the whole and I was very jet lagged. And I think, oh my God, I probably just completely, you know, made myself look like a fool. But I just said, you know, I I felt really depressed because I'm, I've, for the last six, seven years being a leader in my school, I've had to fight. I've had to say, no, we can't take another hour off the drama curriculum. No, we can't take another hour off. The no, we've got to do this. No, we've got to make this happen. No, we've got to do it. No, we can't. Um, and that fight came out through there. And I just thought, you know what? I, I would almost be um, contradicting everything that I believe in if I said, yes, I will do that. Mm. You know, and I think every teacher behind, in the UK would have thought, actually, right on you, Andrea. Well done for saying that because you've made the right decision. And to this day, I've made no, I've got no regrets of that decision. Um, yeah, I've got no, no regrets. But then when I went home, I'll never forget this, you know, went home literally have not been home since winning the award got through my door broke down in tears and my husband's like what's wrong and I was like we're gonna get assassinated <laughs> <laughs> the government I'm gonna send MI5 and MI6 over to kill us I said no to the government <laughs> um yeah and um and then we just burst out laughing and then um, my husband just said the key words to me he goes so right what are you gonna do about it so what are you going to do about it? You can't just stop there. What are you going to do about it? And so I think that's when I kind of sat back and reflected and had a couple of conversations with people just to kind of help me think, you know, I've got this great platform. I've just, you know, been offered a million, one a million dollars. What do I do? And then that's when I kind of thought, right, I'm going to really think about what was the challenges that I had in my school and my challenges is what we discussed earlier about children not taking up the arts because they didn't think it was a great career and so I thought right and when I was when I was teaching I used to bring my colleagues and my my own friends who well, I went to uni with who were working within the arts world to come in and, and show what they were doing so graphic designers illustrators this is my job and I think that was what really inspired our kids to go actually I, I want to do that that's a job oh my god that's a job really miss you can get paid doing that and I'm like yes I think that's for me is the key. So by bringing um, the world of practitioners in the in into the children's world, into the art rooms, in helping them get inspired, seeing what they really do, seeing what their work is like, and how their their day of their, their way of living is like, that's the key to inspiration. I think that's what will change lives, and I'm hoping that I'm changing lives by doing that. 
And I bet you bought a nice car of that million dollars, didn't you? No, I didn't. I'm still actually driving my lovely Honda Civic 08 number plate, which I've had for the last 12 years, which is brilliant. But um, I can't, you know, I, yeah, my life has changed. What did you do with the million dollars? I've set up my charity. So that's where Artists in Residence was born. That's right. Can you tell us, yeah, tell us a little bit about the mission. Yeah, so Artists in Residence is um, something I'm very proud of. It's a charity which just does that. We bring artists into schools and we support schools in especially in deprived areas. Um, We started in London, but now it goes to all areas of the UK by connecting them with the artists to help their school improvement. So, for example, we might have schools that say, look, we need we need support in um, in drama. We've got we haven't got drama or curriculum. Can you can you help us, please? And then what I do is um, I have an incredible data bank of of artists who um, have been great and have worked in schools before. And I connect them with the schools and they, they, they co-design a program, very short program, could be five or six days. And then they go together and they, they help, they inspire the students, they produce the artworks, the kids get an idea of what it's like working with the artists, the teachers get inspired, they learn the different skills needed um, by the artists. And obviously the artists are being employed and they're, they're working with young people and they get so, so inspired by that. Um, so I'm hoping, and what then happens is you've got head teachers who are like, oh my God, oh my God, parents are saying that their life, that their, their kids are happier and can you come back and, and, you know, this is the work they've done. It's been incredible. It's been transformative. Um, when can you come back? And I think that's, if, if we're having that feedback, then we know that we're doing something brilliant. So it's, we're very small, we're very young, but we're growing and um, we want to grow further. Um, and because we are, we're solving the problems which... I know that our children and our schools need. And unfortunately, I'm having to do that. You know, it shouldn't have to be us, mm. but there is a need there. And I think teachers are natural problem solvers. So until we're not needed, then we're going to carry on with it. So, yeah. How can any artists and creative listening to this, how could they help? I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are an artist or creative who uh loves working with young people or would like to work with young people then please get in touch because our schools need you um they haven't got money but we are there we're there to support them by um, employing you to work in the school Um, and we're going to be there with you the whole time so we will hold your hands and we'll get you ready but it's all about giving back and inspiring the young person um the next generation of our country um and so if you're interested please do get in touch with us and the website is www.artistinresidence.org.uk so what would you say then to um the people who weren't lucky enough to have a good teacher, um, is it is it too late for them? One of the things that I've found over the last few years since winning the award is the fact that many people who have had a really great experience of education is because they had that one person, that one teacher who changed their life. I've met a handful of people who've actually said that they hated school because of one teacher. There's one teacher that just really, that they, they all were quite, they're quite abusive in terms of the language they've used and it, they just hate, they just switched off and didn't like education. And if, you know, if that was you, then I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm really sorry you had to do that. And if there's any teachers who are listening to this incredible podcast, I'll just say to you, please be really mindful of what's coming out of your mouth when you're teaching because some of the language that we're using could really affect the young person and words can really, really hurt. So just be careful. 
Um, we do actually have teachers that listen to this because we've had um, DMs from from some teachers. So. Brilliant. So yeah, and I I think for me I I really wanted to get you in because um, we on this show have given the education system uh, a bit of a battering, and we've been quite negative in some of the stuff that we've said. Um, but for me, it's so it's so good to hear you saying the same things, and I think it's important for us to get across that we have nothing against teachers. Mm -hmm. We have a problem with the system that they're wrapped up in and the way that they're kind of handcuffed. I mean, right, we need to get something absolutely straight. I have traveled to many different countries since we're in the ward. I have met teachers, I've met ministers of education, and there is no greater teacher than the UK teacher because the amount of hours we put in before school, after school, um, what's expected to us is almost impossible. We do the impossible every single day. We are responsible for well-being. We're responsible for their health. We're responsible for their safety. We're responsible for everything. Oh, and yes, and also their education. That's what we're responsible for. There's no other job that puts that much pressures on a single person, and yet we do that, and teachers do that. And how... How... They still go to work every single day, still give their 100% every single day, and how they are never, never appreciated as much as we would like them to be, which they should deserve, I don't understand. And I just want to say thank you so much to all the teachers. I recognise you. I'm doing my best to represent you, and it's an honour to be part of you and be part of your peers. So thank you. Because teachers are building the future of the country. <laughs> No worries. Look, I look. That's a beautiful moment because you're really fucking passionate about this, and um, you just set me off now. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, I see it from my colleagues every day. They're burning out, mm. but they won't give up because of the the kids are they're relying on. They know their lives. And people don't appreciate teachers. And I'm in a position whereby I've had my kids coming back after like 20 years of teaching them. Um, sorry, 15 years of teaching them. And they, they say to me, Miss, because of you, Miss, can you remember when you had that conversation with my mum? I hated you, but then look what happened to me now. And it was they best. They still call that, you Miss, yeah, 15 years. Even people who, you know, colleagues that I'm, who I've taught are working in my school and they still call me Miss. And they say, Miss, because of you, thank you. And I'm just thinking my God, you're saying that to me because of you found out about my win, but what about all those other teachers who you've who don't get to hear that? And I'm just really lucky, and I just want people to know that teachers, that um, there's kids out there who every single day are saying, thank God, because if you didn't say that one thing or because of what you said to them, you changed their lives. So thank you. Look, I mean, Downing Street were asking you to recruit teachers and you said no to them, I think you just did it right there. So, um, yeah, I mean, there is, there's no more worthy profession in the world, is there, than, than helping young people and building our future? No, teaching is the profession. It's the mother of all professions. It's the profession that, um, it starts the other professions. And it's, you know, it's, it's the greatest honour to be able to influence another human being. And that's what we do every day in our classrooms. Amazing. Look, I want to thank you so much for donating your time. Where can people find you online? 
Um, through the charity, so Artists in Residence, or just uh, look me up, Google me, and I have all my details everywhere. So, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you get any value from these episodes, it would mean the world to us if you could share the podcast with someone who needs it. You can always reach out to us on Instagram at rebelscreate or head over to creativerebels.co. And remember, always be creating. See ya.